Welcome everyone to another episode of the Solo to Supported podcast. Jacqueline Foster here, and today I'm going to do what I do best and geek out on some project management conversations. Um, I love to apply project management principles to law firms. A lot of people like to, to refer to it as legal project management, which I don't really associate with that learning method. It's not that I reject it or think that I know more than the, the conversation that's been going on in the legal community about legal project management. It's just that I find it to be way too complex. And when people start to read on legal project management, especially when they have a solo small firm background or are operating a solo or small firm, it seems a little bit overstretched and it seems a little bit complex complicated, a lot of it complicated for really what they need to be experiencing and feeling when they're bringing cases through a system. So I like to, and just for, you know, the purposes of the rest of this podcast, I'm just going to say project management. We're not going to make it complex. We're not going to get into legal project management um, as an individual entity of project management, because really legal project management did stem off of the basic and most foundational longstanding principles of project management. And so it totally suffices to go and read and educate and build up your expertise in project management. All of that is 100% transferable over to a law firm setting. And in fact, I encourage anybody that wants to learn more about project management and how to apply it into a law firm, read the project management expert books. Don't go find the $250, $350 law firm legal project management books. Really focus on project management and nailing that. And then if you're smart enough, which I'm almost 110% positive everybody listening here is, you can then apply it to your law firm and how that's going to work with your team and your cases and your processes. So let's get into it. I really want to talk today about why every single law firm that I have ever worked with has told me they are not happy with their case management softwares and their case management systems. And I believe the biggest reason why law firms struggle so much with their case management softwares, they're not using them to their full capacity, they're not enjoying them, they say they're clunky, they say they're too techy, is because we have to to remember that case management softwares aren't going to make processes for you. The law firm needs to establish processes and then leverage a tool to really bring those processes to life with ease. You're leveraging the tool, not having that tool create the processes for you. That is why so many firms are in and out of case management softwares. For it, It's for a reason. Even if you found the best software that does it all, Project management requires a human element of internal process establishment that needs to be defined and consistent before any case or project management system can actually be beneficial. So let's start to talk about project management and I'm not going to get too, too in depth. I want to give you a basic overview of what project management really is. I think that people overcomplicated. I think that people don't realize how simple the concept of project management is, or even if they do realize it, they're not allowing it to be that simple. A project is a temporary undertaking that is performed to produce a unique product, service, or result, large or small. So law firm, appropriate term of it, is a project is a temporary undertaking, meaning a case that you are using, you're, you're, you're performing this project to perform a service and a result for your client, whether that's you know a, a favorable verdict, a favorable outcome, an estate plan, a probate closed, 
whatever that end result looks like, that is what a project, a law firm is utilizing project management for is to get through that service, get through that process of bringing a case forward, whatever practice area you're in. Now, different from a project, a project is a big, big picture. A process is a series of routine steps to perform a particular function. It isn't a one-time activity. It is not a one-time activity that achieves a specific result. It defines how a particular function is going to be done every single time. And project management actually includes five sets of processes, but those processes are going to be established that every time you get a new project or case, you are going to be able to apply those same sets of processes for ease and, and flow and workflow of the, the matter in the case that you're working on. So processes shouldn't change unless something comes up in a case that's unforeseeable and it forces you to deviate. Whether that means you find out something goofy about a witness and you decide you're not going to subpoena them or whatever that looks like, you'll deviate from that process and that set structure to um, to address that particular uniqueness of that particular case that is pretty out of the ordinary. I mean, that's the thing. And I think that's why so many people want to push this concept of legal project management, because they feel that project management doesn't necessarily forecast the unknowns. And we know in law firms, we always need to be forecasting the unknowns, but there's no way to actually create processes to, to accommodate every single thing that can come up in a case or in a um, matter, even estate planning. There's no way to actually predict what's going to happen specifically. We know some things that could happen and we'll address them when they come, but we can't say this particular case is for sure going to have this particular roadblock. So one thing, and I'll, I should save it for the end, is that in, in project management, the traditional sense, there are five sets of processes. In law firm management, to me, there are six. And so we're going to go through all five sets, as well as the sixth set of processes. So if we start to find project management as the process of guiding a project from its beginning through its performance to its closure, Again, project management includes five processes, which these five processes are what you as a law firm leader, as an owner of a smaller solo law firm, as a team leader, whatever capacity you're in in this firm that, that puts you in charge of, of defining these processes. These are the five processes you have to create before any case management system. I don't care if it's Clio, my case, I don't care if you're using my favorite monday.com teamwork. Anything that you possibly can use needs to have these five processes established before you're actually going to see how well they work. And the number one step in any project management is establishing an initiating process. So clarifying the business need, defining high level expectations and resource budgets, and beginning to identify audiences that may play a role in your project. So let's put this in law firm terms, clarifying the business need. You're clarifying the need of the client. And, and I want to stop here for a moment and, and put a disclaimer that these processes, especially the initiating and then the next process after that, it does not have to take days. It doesn't have to be huge. It can be as simple as you writing it down or putting it in your communication platform with your team. Like this is kind of the overview of the case or putting it in the matter, however you created in Clio or in monday.com, just kind of establishing the business needs. So 
write it down as simple as it may sound. What is the business need of this client or what's the need of this client? Is it to have a well-established estate plan within one month? Is it to have an estate plan by the time they go on vacation? Is it to win a property dispute against a neighbor that's encroaching on their land? What is it that is the need of this client? Put it in simple terms. Everybody can read it and say, yep, I get what this case is about. Next is defining the high level expectations and resource budget. So this is where you need to look at what you price this case at, what you priced um, and quoted a flat fee at for the estate plan and, and kind of establish where you're at with this estate plan, for instance, and say, or let's actually use an easier term, like a family law case. We know we quoted them at 3,500 to get them through mediation, for instance. If we start to see that this is going beyond mediation, we're obviously going to be approaching that budget. So it's just being very clear on what the client has been quoted and what the, the first step goal is for the purposes of budget. So that when we, again, when the unexpecteds come up, say the spouse decides that they're going to be super, super stubborn about the furniture or the China set, we know that we're not going to mediate and we have to revisit the resource budgets, refocus on the client, talk with the client, how prices are going to increase and et cetera, et cetera. So really defining the high level expectations that have been communicated with the client and giving them that expectation of what they can expect to pay and how they can expect that price to increase should the unexpected start to happen, such as XYZ in, in any case, including an estate plan. You know, if we say this is what we're quoting you for your basic will, your ancillary documents, outright to spouse, outright to children, this is what we're quoting you. Now, if we get through the process and you decide you want a gun trust, if you decide you want, uh, you know, a, a stepping stone when beneficiaries come to the age of 28 and have completely successfully finished college, if you start to get a little bit more complicated in your estate plan, we're going to have to revisit the budget. And it's just having that conversation with the client from day one, which is a lot of what legal project management discusses, is making sure that client has the expectation of what this is going to cost. And that doesn't mean that you can't increase your price, but you, it's having that clear conversation with the client and with your team. This is our first level budget resources. This is what we have. And everybody on the team, including the client, understands that this is when it's going to increase if XYZ situation comes about so they don't feel cheated or misled or like they didn't read the fine print when they get their bill and it's a lot higher than what you originally quoted them. Or if you, you know, tell them you can't complete the estate plan and they've already paid their flat fee, it's all of that. So let's just be very, very clear on the resources and budgets. Again, it should take no longer than 10 minutes, five minutes to write all of this down. And then finally, again, beginning to identify audiences that may play a role in your project. So when we're talking about audiences, we're talking about the team. So who is going to play a role in your project? Again, let's, let's, let's talk about what we're doing here. We're doing the initiating process. So this process should be very standardized. It should be something that you repeatedly use that does not need to be recreated. Every time you have a new matter come up, you should know the process for this particular initiating stage of the project management. And you should have this written down. So you should already know before you approach this project, 
what team members are going to play what role and what matters. So it's really having that very clear, clear understanding of your team and where you're utilizing them. Do you have a lead paralegal? Do you have somebody specific for service? Do you have somebody specific for printing and preparing final documents for signature? Or do you have only one paralegal working on the whole matter and one paralegal working on another? Whatever you decide, that's for another day for me to give my recommendations on how to um, create these processes or what you should be doing within these processes. My you know, recommendation, that's for another conversation, but you need to have a clear established this is how we do things. This is our team model. This is our individual approach model. This is our attorney to paralegal, this attorney to that paralegal. This is how we do things. And this is how we operate. So already having that established, it shouldn't take no time at all. You know, if it's attorney Smith and he has one paralegal and that paralegal handles all his matters, all his things, his service, his complex drafting, his client relationship management, we know that this is Smith's case. So this is the paralegal wear all hats person assigned. If you have a team, you know which person's going to play which part in that matter. So that's the initiating process, just getting ready to open this matter, to start this process, to open the file, get, get ready, get going. We know the need of the client. Everybody's on the same page with the need of the client, especially there. You know, I love, love it when lawyers ask their clients, if you can wave a magic wand, what would you have happen type of conversation that's already been established. We've already defined high level expectations and resource budgets. We've already had that clear conversation. And we are also very much understanding of what person's going to play what part on getting this matter through to the closure. So now that we've had that, another process that we need to establish prior to creating our project management, prior to saying that we're doing project management, the next process is the planning process. Again, in a law firm, especially for just routine matters, for a routine divorce, for a routine estate plan, for a routine non-litigated probate, we have a planning process that's already in place. So this should not take too much time if five, 10 minutes on each new matter is the planning process is detailing the project scope, the timeframes, the resources and risks, as well as intended approaches to project communications, quality and management of external communications, services, etc. So that's the planning process of how we're going to get this done. Um, we're really detailing the project scope. So again, going back to the initiating project, we know it's just a simple will, it's the ancillary documents, we know it's at this point in time, it's going to be a very much mediated divorce, bam, wham, out the door, um, or we know that this is going to be a very lengthy personal injury, wrongful death litigated case. So we know that planning project and the scope of it, how far out are we going to go, what it's all going to entail. So let's look at litigation. If we know that this is going to trial, of course, every attorney, good attorney tries to settle cases, but we know this is going to trial. We know the scope is going to be pre-lit, discovery phase, and then all the way to trial prep and execution of trial. So we kind of already know the scope. And, and again, this, is, this process is not the time to refine every small detail that's coming next. It's just very much simplifying the scope of the matter and the time frames. What did you call the client on the time frame for the end of that estate plan? Document that, calendar that, somehow record that, have a process to know this is what the client is expecting. Because project management at the end of the day in a law firm is going to, is, is a major purpose of it is to enhance your client services. So 
establish those timeframes, at least the target timeframes. Again, we know in law firms, things, unexpected things happen. Attorneys request extensions of deadlines for discovery. We know things can be drawn out. We know a divorce that should have taken six months is now going to take two years. But what is the time frame, the ideal time frame, ideal time frame for this matter to get it through to closure? Establish that. Resources and risks. Make sure you know who your resources are. Are you outsourcing a, a service company? Are you outsourcing a researcher, a drafter, a, whatever that may look like? document your resources you're going to use on this case. If there's none, leave it blank. If it's just your team, leave it blank and your risks. So if you can already identify risks that are coming up, you know, in that divorce initial consultation, the client said, I'm not sure if my spouse is going to be amicable. He says he is, but he has habits of kind of flipping switches. Like you kind of know that there's a risk that this might go all the way to trial. So little things like that, or if, the person knows that that person, that if your client knows that the person they're suing is going to try to skip service, you kind of already forecast those risks and you have those conversations with your client in the beginning. The next is intending approaches to project communications and the quality of it. So the communications piece is really making sure your term, your team internally, whoever is working on the project at a given moment, your team internally, as well as external communications is refined. You already know how that communication is going to look. Every time I get a, a new firm that, that wants to take on a virtual assistant of mine or a virtual paralegal of mine, they always say that they don't even have, and I ask them, do you, how do you communicate internally? Well, we don't, I mean, we just kind of in passing, but how do you communicate when things need to be recorded communication? Everything should try to be recorded. And they'll say email or however, but I always recommend like Pick a process for communication in that planning phase. Make sure you know we're all going to communicate on team, Microsoft Teams. We all are going to communicate on Slack. We have, we, our process is to set up a separate channel for that particular matter. And that's where communications are going to happen. What kind of communications do you want to compartmentalize them from the discovery to the um, just random client concerns, routine check-ins? What do you want that to look like? I've seen law firms actually bring in their clients onto their teams chat feature and give them a dedicated space within that channel where they can share documents or they can check in and, and write a message to the team. I, I love that, especially as things are changing and more people are getting familiarized with utilizing tech. I think it's a fan, phenomenal feature on teams that you can bring in guest users at no additional cost and kind of have that conversation with your client there. Or there's some case management softwares that utilize um, you know, client portals, things of that nature, where you can communicate with the client through there. So it's really establishing. And I want to, again, reiterate, we're establishing these processes that we're going to apply to all of our cases or all of our matters within our estate planning or all of our matters within our family law planning. We, we already know before we started this project, our processes, this is something that you need to do before you can really implement project management. So it's really de de determining how, how that team is going to communicate, how your client's going to communicate, what are the expectations, are they going to hear from you monthly, weekly, bi-weekly, when, what is it going to be, and have processes to make sure that that actually happens. So next is the execution process. So the executing process needs to be defined more than I think anything I just said. 
Um, we really need to make sure that we are establishing managing the project team, that we are communicating with and managing project audiences and implementing the project plans. So the executing process is literally who's going to serve discovery, who's going to draft the complaint, who's going to have the complaint served, who is going to review the complaint, who is going to file the complaint when it comes time, who is going to reach out to third parties to gather medical records, who's going to um, deal with the mailing if we have somebody dodging service, who is going to, to communicate with the client once we get those discovery requests in, who is going to communicate with the client once the estate plans are well underway and we realize we don't have the last name of XYZ, who's going to do every little piece to execute this project? And so it's really at this point, a deep dive into your team dynamics. And now is when you're, once you have that established, once you have that process established, now you're going to be able to look and pick the process first before you pick the software, pick the process and then do demos, do your research on different project management softwares, different case management softwares, and what particular software is going to actually accommodate your process, your executing process. That is the problem when lawyers, again, going back to what I said at the very beginning, when attorneys and law firms say, my case management system isn't working out for me, it's because you pick the case management system before you pick the process. So your case management system is literally a tool to execute your process. If you've established a process and you pick this case management tool that does not adequately to help you execute and delegate and get through your process that you have established, what good is it to you? That's why we need to establish our processes, who does what, how it's done, what's the steps, and then find a case management system that works the best for you. That's why I personally like to leverage things like monday.com teamwork, because they've really focused on automation and, and customization with integrations and creating different scenarios and things that you can do that actually really works for your project management system, for your processes, for your executing processes that you have established. I can take, you know, a, a client's one of my law firm clients notes that says, this is our workflow. This is what we want to see happen. And I can literally create it in monday.com for them to work for them automatically. So, but if they come to me and they say, I want monday.com, but I don't have a process. Well, then we're just going to constantly be screwing around with different automations because this isn't working and that's not working and this isn't working. You're going to, you have to pick your process first and then make that case management or project management system work for you, not the other way around. So the executing process is the fun part for me as the project management geek, I would like to call myself. <laughs> the executing process is where we really get to know how the team is going to get through each little section of a matter. Okay, so moving on to the fourth stage of a project is monitoring and controlling processes. So this is another process that you need to establish before you can say that you have project management alive and well in your firm is who's going to track the performance and take necessary actions to help ensure that these matters are successfully, or excuse me, let me rephrase that. Who is going to track the performance and take actions that are necessary to help ensure your plans and your processes are successfully being implemented and the desired results are being achieved? 
that's where you need to kind of pick somebody in your team, whether it's the, the managing attorney, depending on your team dynamic. I would have to talk to each of you individually on who your team is, what your dynamics are, but who on your team is going to be in charge of every Monday, looking at all of your matters and making sure everything's sliding through. So, so, so many of my firms want the computer to do this for them. Now there are tools such, so for instance, teamwork will give you, if you really implement it and really use milestones and things of that nature, teamwork has a dashboard that will show you these matters are behind milestones. These matters are behind task deadlines. They'll, they'll give you kind of a summary of all your matters. Um, you know, and again, I can talk about all of these in, in various episodes, <laughs> whether than delving into each and every one of them specific, whereas Monday.com doesn't really have that dashboard. So it just depends on what's important for you. And but at the end of the day, it requires human element to be checking and making sure that things are on track. And when people rely too much on a system, I don't care how good this system is. I could create a software for $7,500,000, $500,000 that does every little thing you could possibly imagine, if you don't have the human element into it, things will slide through the cracks. They just do. That's a huge portion of project management is the project manager needs to be overviewing the, the cases, pro, the process of the case. The, are we hitting performance milestones? Are we hitting expectations? Are we on track going back to the initiating process, the expectations you've given your client? Are we on track to defining deadlines to defining when they can be expecting results? Are we on track for budget resources? What the attorney or whoever initiates this process has established that, you know, I only quoted them 3000 through mediation. So I don't want to pay, you know, my paralegal or use my resources to go through litigation without getting some more money. Are, is this all on track? Are you having cases bottleneck too much at this point when you have a solid project manager on board? And again, it doesn't need to be somebody that that's their only job, depending on your case volume, you might have, you know, the resources and the need to, to justify a specific case manager, project manager. But are, are you all on track for completing this project adequately? And it, and it gives you great insight for those bottlenecks to say, you know what, 90% of our cases get stuck in the discovery phase. We need to outsource. We need to increase someone's hours. We need to bring in a contractor for 10 hours a week just to focus on discovery because this is such a bottleneck and the reason why we are not hitting our milestones every single case. So if you can continuously, you know, if you have this process in place, you will start to see where things are getting stuck time after time, after time, after time. And you'll know how to adjust your team, add to your team, bring them into this great process that you've already established where they're, they're just fitting into that process. And that's, what's so beautiful about the, the three steps before the initiating process, defining goals, every single time, the planning process, how are we going to communicate? How are we going to set time frames? the project scope, what we're going for? You have these two in place and that executing process you've decided who's going to handle what and when, and everything is automated in your project management system now, that your project manager can actually look and give you as the lawyer recommendations on your cases are losing profitability because we're getting stuck right here. Your clients are very unhappy because we're getting stuck right here. And that's when you can actually make smart hiring decisions. And I don't mean smart, I mean super smart and strategic hiring decisions.
so really you need a project manager. And again, somebody doesn't need to carry that title as its exclusive title. They could be your lead paralegal. It could be your receptionist. It could be you. It could be whatever you feel appropriate for your firm and your caseload. That's what you need. But somebody needs to take on that role. Somebody needs to be monitoring every single week where cases are at and taking notes. So then finally, it's the closing project process, which is ending all project activities. And the closing process is actually something that's skipped so much in law firms. Every firm I've walked into, almost every, I would say 95% of the solo firms I've walked into say they haven't even sent out their final bills for cases from four months ago. They have not closed the matter. They have not sent their closing letter informing them of the, you know, termination of their representation. You obviously put it more eloquently, but you get what I'm saying. But there's one piece of the closing process that nobody takes the time to do that is so incredibly vital for project management, which is to discuss lessons learned and document them. And then to have once a quarter, go back or once a month or however you see fit, go back to those notes and all these little lessons you've learned with your processes and where things get stuck and where you could have forecasted that and prepared better for that. And then going in and tweaking those processes behind that. That is so important that nobody takes the time to do. And it, it's truthfully a disservice to your own practice to not actually take the lessons you're learning on actual cases that are coming through your firm with your team dynamic, with the processes you have put in place and improving them yourself. So many people are quick, quick, quick to go hire a consultant, to go hire some sort of expert to fix because they feel everything is going wrong. And the first thing I ask my clients when they say that, well, do you have a sheet of all the things that have been going wrong? No, we just know that it's clunky. We know it's clunky. We know it's clunky. We know it's clunky. And that's fine. You know, you obviously could very much benefit from somebody coming in to help you execute or get through these five stages, but you need to be taking the responsibility of recording the clunkiness and recording and brainstorming because you know your firm the best, you know your practice the best, and your team the best out of anybody, anybody outside you could bring in to help you fix things, quote unquote. You need to be documenting and providing talking with your team, which we'll talk about in another episode, leveraging that, you know, making them feel heard leveraging their involvement and their feedback on how you can improve these processes and take, it doesn't have to be a day thing. It can be, you can have a dedicated chat um, channel in your teams or your Slack just to brainstorm with the team on, on, you know, how could this went better? Um, and also truthfully, don't wait till the very end necessarily. You can have this dedicated team where if somebody thinks of something and they said, you know, we probably would have gotten those statements a lot faster from the client if we just had them sign a HIPAA release for all this XYZ at the beginning of, or the medical records, if we would have just had them sign the release at the beginning of our engagement with them. Write that down. Let's change the process to, to just immediately from the client, whether or not we need to get HIPAA releases. It's that simple and implement that into your process. And the more you do it, the more you're going to, to build and build and build and build on these processes to be working ahead of the things that we know routinely come up in cases, even though in an idealistic world, our clients are perfect and they get us all their records themselves and we never have to call third parties and, and they get us all their bank statements and everything goes well. And they're aware of every single account that the deceased loved one had. 
it, we know that in law firms, it doesn't work like that, whether it's litigation or transactional, it doesn't work like that, where the client's going to give us everything at every single given moment on time and um, in its entirety. So it's looking at how you can change your project management system within your firm to better it, to get you closer and closer to hitting those timelines, to hitting those scopes, to staying on the resources and budgets and the expectations of the client. It's refining it back in the initiating, planning and executing process where you're going to slowly create this project management machine that is just so on point, which leads me to my sixth process that I believe project management doesn't necessarily discuss in its traditional sense, but needs to be discussed when we're applying it to a solo small law firm. And that is, again, planning for the unexpected. So what do you do when a case derails? What do you do when your, your client has decided that they want a complex trust and a complex this and a complex that. What is your process for handling that when you've just quoted them on a simple will, a simple that, and you guys are the lawyers here. So you know, you know, the ethical scope of everything with your fee agreements and your retainers. But on an execution side of things, do you have a system in place where the person that's been drafting this the whole time can then now go exercise or execute a, a very complex trust? Or do you need to then move it over to the attorney? Is that now on the attorney's plate? What is your plan when everything derails, when your initiating process is thrown out the door, when your planning process needs to be thrown out the door, what the process that you've applied into your matter what is your plan when that happens? And this isn't something I think you can sit down and forecast for every single possible thing that could happen. This is going to be a ever evolving process that when things happen, you document, 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 document that new process. What do we do? So those are my six processes for project management. Well, I shouldn't take credit for them. Obviously the first five are very much traditional project management, but how I kind of relate them to the legal field. Now, I want to be very clear that you're not creating a robotic way of work. Um, as a leader of a company, as a hiring specialist, I guess you could call me a hiring manager of my company as somebody that staffs law firms all month, every month um, on a remote contracted basis or W-2. I definitely want to see paralegals, legal staff alike, associates come in and feel like they can think creatively and to not stifle that creative thinking and that progression, progression and that growth um, by shoving them into too much of process and not enough of thinking. But it's coming down to really processes that are going to be in place no matter what. We know that we need to gather information from clients. We know that we need to get discovery in and out the door. We know that we need to file our witness statements and our um, exhibit lists, et cetera, et cetera, for trial prep. We know all these things are routine and the routine, the routine things should have a manual, a process book of sorts. And the reason why, because you're, I mean, we know that your 
team that's been with you for a year, two years in this process should not need to go to a manual. But when you hire, when you grow your team, when you bring more people in for a specific portion, you can say, now we have this process that is bottlenecking. For instance, discovery is a huge one that bottlenecks. I hear all the time, I, I'm hiring constantly contractors for um, the discovery phase of my client's practice. But once they get in there, into that firm, whether they're a remote contractor or a W-2 employee, once they get in there, you can send them. This is our discovery process. And this is where you need to come in as a team um, or on our, come in on our team to help us get through that discovery process. So document, document, document everything and anything you possibly can. Of course, your lead paralegal should be able to notice risks in discovery that come through, address them, use their brain side of things. The human element is so, so important. Think of project management as the bumpers to your bowling lane. You want that ball to be able to go down the aisle freely without interjecting. It's just keeping it straight down that path to its end result. That Those bumpers are keeping everybody in a system process lane where nothing's going to get missed. Everybody is on the same page cases are moving through cases or matters are transactional matters are moving through smoothly to the end results. And that was, that is your bumper, your project management and process within that project management system is your bumper. So let's just circle back. Let's circle back to the first thing I said, now that I've said everything about project management, how I apply the actual traditional principles of project management to solo and small law firms with my business consultant clients, with my project management consultant clients, is again, case management softwares aren't going to make processes for you. Every process I just discussed needs to be established by that individual law firm. And then leverage a tool such as Clio, my case, I prefer monday.com, teamwork, things like that. But pro leverage a tool to bring those processes to life with ease. Don't buy a tool and then try to create processes around that tool. It's kind of putting the cart in front of the horse when you buy the tool first and then try to make processes. So really just take the time, work with your team, work with someone you trust, brainstorm with me, brainstorm with your current consultant, whatever that looks like, and create your processes first, then let's start exploring tools. I always feel super bad for my clients that are locked into like a year subscription with a certain case management system that they hate. We might just need to bite the bullet and move on. It's not worth it losing. I mean, the amount of profitability you're losing just by not having systems, by um, unproductive hours, by clunky mistakes that need to go back, be go going back and repeating and redoing. It's just, it's not worth it. Just look for something that actually makes sense for you. And this is why so, again, so many law firms are in and out of case management softwares for a reason. If you found the best software that does it all, project management does still require that human element of internal processes first. You need to establish those before any case or project management system can actually be beneficial. So again, takeaway from this system, really leverage project management in its traditional sense to keep you on a path of case management and to force you into building processes and systems within your law firm. You don't need to utilize the most sophisticated case management system that does all the billing, all the timekeeping. It has, you know, okay, it has delegation systems, but they're clunky. We don't really like them. There's no automation. We don't even like it. Stop trying to buy the most expensive thing just because it's the hype of the legal industry. Law firms specifically solo and small 
don't always benefit from these all-inclusive case management softwares. And let me give you insight as to why. I myself have always dreamed of creating my own law firm software, something for project management, for internal communications, client portals. I have always dreamed of that. And I spoke with a developer and they gave me insight as to why some systems have phenomenal billing, but horrible, horrible task delegation, because it's incredibly expensive to make one software be perfect at all the things you need it to be perfect at. So my approach truthfully and my quick recommendation is to really look at leveraging multiple tools that can talk to one another. For instance, monday.com talks with Microsoft Teams. It talks with Slack. It talks with Gmail. I think it talks with Outlook. Obviously, it probably does. I'm just a big Gmail user, so I haven't had it talk to um, Outlook yet. Monday.com does all that. QuickBooks can handle your accounting. It can handle your invoicing. LawPay can handle your invoicing. You can also, QuickBooks has a timekeeping system that integrates with your invoicing. You can keep things separate. You don't have to have everything in one. And again, the reason why it is so expensive to make one software be immaculate at all the things all the time. So really look at your basic needs and then your higher level needs and make, what, make decisions that make sense for your specific law firm. That's my last piece of advice for today's um, episode. Thank you all for tuning in. If you want to reach out to me or look into our legal staffing subscription model or our W-2 recruitment or our business consulting or our legal, legal project management, um, create custom creations or consulting, please visit our website, jf-paralegalservices.com. Um, I will link everything, you know, I'll link my website in the show notes so you can find me. Also find me on LinkedIn, Instagram. I'm not really on Twitter that much. LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. Um, I would love to connect with you there. Until next time, enjoy the week ahead of you. Thank you so much.